This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the inspirational, informational, and transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Joining me today is co-host Robert Geyer to discuss pilot fatigue and your career. You know, we not only will look at many airline careers and why the new rest rules can actually be more fatiguing, but we're also going to look at other parts of aviation, corporate and private flying. But before we begin, I have a few announcements. First of all, uh, don't forget we have all the courses online uh, as far as like doing your resume, and we have uh, different courses on technical aspects of flying. But most importantly, we have the scholarships guide. And I know that a lot of people have been buying that. We've changed the price dramatically. It used to be $10 a month. Now it's $10 for a whole year access to the scholarships guide. Go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships. There's new scholarships starting uh, in the July 28th edition with aviation management, maintenance, and dispatching. And don't forget, it's only $10 for annual access to over $50 million in scholarships in the guide. So go check that out. And uh, you don't have to actually, you can look at part of the guide for free. If you go to Amazon, check, check, out, check out the book, you'll be able to look at the directory and see if there's anything that appeals to you. Remember this, though, that the most up-to-date version is going to be on the online version. If you purchase it in Amazon, uh, we'll give you one-year access with your electronic receipt. Also, if you're interested in career coaching, uh, please give me one to two weeks to schedule your appointment. Things have gotten really busy here with the coaching, and uh, and I really appreciate you doing this uh, by doing more coaching. It enables me to put more scholarships in the scholarships guide, so that's a wonderful thing. Uh, but we really are about a week or two out as far as scheduling is concerned. You know, I'm an airline pilot, and I get half a month off. Unfortunately, now I uh, work every day, or fortunately, I guess, but uh, it really, uh, most of our hobbies and our businesses really take up a lot of our time as pilots and that's one cool thing about being an airline pilot or being in this industry in general uh, no matter what you do it's it's the free time and the different uh, things that you can do so don't forget to check out some of those courses against the uh, the advanced holding pattern course is actually part of our membership there and that membership is only ten dollars a month so check out all those courses you can actually watch the first uh, video of all those courses for free so you might learn something from those first videos um, anyway moving on let's uh, move on to our discussion today. It's about pilot fatigue and your career. And uh, before we get started, I want to say hello to Robert Geyer. Robert's actually in the Texas area, the Houston, Texas area, I think it is. And uh, he is joining us uh, after, I guess, doing a little bit of flying, haven't you, Robert? Yeah, I've been doing uh, quite a bit of flying, actually, this summer. Uh, summer is uh, bread and butter for us. So we have a busy schedule and try to pick up a little extra, make a little extra money and live life uh, live life while you're trying to do that and uh, summers are always busy yeah it's interesting you said that i'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people don't realize what happens with the airline industry is june july and august they are crazy busy if you want to make extra money that's the time to do it september not so much things slow down and even in December, if you look at the first couple of weeks of December, it's not that busy, but the last two weeks, oh my gosh, you will be busy as busy can be. Uh, one thing you find, though, is during these months, and Robert, I know you've seen this, is it really can become fatiguing because what happens is flights get delayed, there's thunderstorms, and these thunderstorms, you know, you really can't plan for some of them. They pop up right away. You're dealing with really angry passengers, angry pilots, flight attendants, because now they're, they're thinking it's 
it's only going to be another hour and it turns into five more hours before you take off. That can be in itself fatiguing, but uh, one of the things that we find is that during this period, we get a lot of people that have like fatigue calls and stuff like that. So we're going to talk a little bit about fatigue and uh, the new regulations. There's flight and duty time limits and FAR 117, uh, the Federal Aviation Regulations. I'm not going to get into too much detail. I have a link so you can read that information, but it has helped, um, and it's also hurt us as pilots, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But before we begin, I, I really I have a little story I like to tell, and this is from my only call, well, no, not my only, my first call, excuse me, my first call in fatigue, and I very rarely call in fatigue, because one thing, and I, this is my advice to anybody who's flying for the airlines or a crew member, is try to get as much rest as you can before your trip, because you never know. A three-hour day can turn into a 15-hour day very quickly. Uh, so you might be sitting around the airport waiting for your flight to come in. But I had this one flight. It was at one, uh, one of my last airline jobs. And I was waiting to go, and we were delayed, delayed, delayed. And we were anticipating about a two-hour taxi. Now, this is in the days where they didn't have all the rules and uh, where we had to come back to the gate and everything like that. And uh, one of the things that I was doing is I was on hold with the scheduling and uh, I was being told by the gate agent and also by my first officer that, you know, maybe, you know, you look kind of tired. Do you think you can do this? And and the, the gate agent's being hopeful, whereas the first officer's kind of scared saying, you know, the gate agent's like, do you think you can do this? And the first officer's like, do you really think you can do this? <laughs> you know, so two different attitudes there. And uh, I'm on hold with the scheduler. And while I'm on hold with a scheduler and telling the scheduler, hey, maybe I don't, I don't think I can do this, I suddenly start hearing a voice in my head saying, Captain, 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 are you okay? And, and what had happened is, just to verify that I was fatigued, I was on the phone trying to get in touch with the scheduler, and I had fallen asleep while I was waiting to contact the scheduler. That was that was the big clue that I was too fatigued to actually fly that flight. And that's it. And I said, you know what? This is a big red flag. And I should have listened to the, and this is where the FO I kind of wish was a little more, a little stronger and say, Hey, listen, you should not be flying. And I said, you know what, guys, we're going to call it right here. I'm done. I'm fatigued. I'd been up for 24 hours. And, uh, the reason that worked out is, uh, it shouldn't have happened that way. And, uh, you know, the way that it was, the scheduling was, it actually was legal, quote unquote, uh, to do that within the scheduling at this airline, but it sure wasn't safe. That's for sure. So I wound up being on uh, awake for 24 hours and I really shouldn't have been flying an airplane. Called and fatigued. Uh, a lot of stuff happens to us when we do call and fatigue. We have a lot of reports to fill out. And that's something that uh, Robert and I are going to talk about here. But one of the things you will have to do if you do call and fatigue, if you're too tired to fly, is to actually fill out some fatigue reporting. And one of the things that's required the airlines is to have that reporting and send that over uh, to the FAA and for also through the NTSB. They have a lot of different avenues where they keep a lot of statistics on fatigue. And you know they're looking at things like what can we do better as far as the rest rules are concerned, et cetera. 
So that's kind of my story as far as the first time I called in fatigued. I've actually had to call in fatigue again uh, just a few weeks ago, and I'm not the kind of person that calls in fatigue at all. I feel like I'm Superman and I can do anything, and that's a problem right there is that attitude. Like I feel that I don't need as much rest as most, and I don't uh, in general, generally speaking, but that hurts me because I sometimes don't recognize that I'm tired. And I think, Robert, you were actually going to bring that up as a, as a really good point is is you know sometimes we really aren't the best persons to judge whether we're fatigued or not are we no and that's a, a very good point because you know as we're doing these you know as we're making these decisions w- with fatigue i remember carl do you remember uh, at the airline we previously worked at together we'd sit in recurrent class and they'd bring up a slideshow and he'd say okay guys here's what here's what fatigue does to you and on this on this particular uh, slideshow that they go over with us or PowerPoint or whatever, whatever we call it these days, uh, it would show your level of fatigue uh, versus uh, the similar level of alcohol impairment. Not that we're drinking alcohol or anything, but the the way fatigue works on your body, and this was a point they always tried to make in recurrent, was the way fatigue works on your body, the level of, of you know, uh, the amount of hours you've been up and all those different factors that contribute to it would bring your uh, self to an equivalent of, of a blood alcohol level. So what was a, what was really an eye opener to me is like, okay, you've been up for 16 hours now, and you've had this much what they call sleep debt, which is basically a pattern of of inconsistent sleep for you know previous nights. Because we got to remember, fatigue is not just that day; it can be a combination of of many days put together that bring you to a point where you're not at your full level. So they'd say, okay, based on this chart, if you were here, you would be essentially operating an aircraft with a blood alcohol content of 0.9. That's where your level of alertness would be. So, yeah, so to bring that back, when you're operating fatigued and you, you your judgment is impaired, your your cognitive ability is impaired because your body's not working at, at uh, full RPM. So, yeah, when it comes time to make those decisions – especially pilots, most of us are very mission-oriented, type A, want to get the job done. We want to get our passengers or cargo or whatever we have to be flying from point A to point B. So we feel those operational pressures on us to try to perform and make sure that we do a good job because we want to be the, you know, the best aviators we can be and get the job done. But it's really hard in those moments to tap the brakes and say, hey, wait, maybe this isn't the right decision. Maybe this isn't where I want to be operating at. Am I operating with a compromised level of safety? Because we can feel good at the gate, but if you have a four-hour flight, you might feel okay at the gate getting ready to push. But how are you going to feel when it's 2 a.m. and you still have uh, an hour and a half of block time left to fly? Those are kind of the questions that we need to ask ourselves. I think. And one of the things that I think, and we're talking uh, towards people who are thinking about this as a career, and and those that uh, maybe just listening are kind of like, wow, this sounds like something that uh, is prevalent. And yeah, when you're a pilot, whether it's corporate or airlines, 
you are going to be affected by fatigue, flight instructors, etc. It's trying to have those tools, and throughout the fatigue training, you have those tools, and I know they're out there, but we want to kind of focus on your career more. But read those, you know, like you said with the slideshows and the PowerPoints, and watch those. It is a big eye opener. And the PowerPoint you're talking about, I've actually seen not that long ago in another presentation. It really, it's amazing how you could actually be the equivalent of somebody who's been drinking before they went flying if you're too fatigued to fly or too fatigued in general. So it does impair your ability, your cognitive ability, and your ability to make decisions. And my example is a really good one. So let's talk a little bit about the pressures on us as pilots and how to deal with that within our careers. Know the know the issues, you know, and, and like you said, know what we are the worst person to judge sometimes. Know what's out there and, and try to use that training that you've had and say, okay, am I fatigued? And go go back to that. But here's the other thing too. Operational pressures can also be your paycheck. Ooh, really? And there are certain airlines out there that if you do call in fatigue, you are immediately taken off without pay until it's actually accepted into either a fatigue reporting program or by the chief pilot or or by some other system that they have. And that in itself will actually play into your decision-making process. I'm not saying it's right. Well, I don't think that's a great way to be, obviously, but, you know, it's just the way it is, is that you have these reporting requirements, and if you call in fatigue, you know, you're, there's a little bit of pressure on you. Not just fatigue, but also we talked about FAR 117, the flight duty limits. Those new flight duty limits allow you, as a pilot, to actually extend another couple hours usually, and you now are in the in the driver's seat saying, hey, listen, I, I'm going to extend or I'm not going to extend. And it has nothing to do with fatigue. It has to do whether you feel like you can operate that aircraft safely. Uh, you may not be fatigued, but hey, you may be a little bit too tired, etc. Two different things, and, and it's very subtle. But if you feel you can't safely operate that flight, you shouldn't do it. The problem is I know everybody here that's going to fly for a living will have come up against this where they feel like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to call in fatigue because it's going to hurt me in my paycheck. And that's kind of tough. And I know, you know, Robert, you know some examples of certain airlines where that happens. And I think you even had an example where, where you said you had to actually fill out some paperwork, right? And then you would actually get paid if you did that or wouldn't get paid if you didn't. Yeah, and it, and like you're saying, it really varies with different airlines. I know that the current airline I'm at, the fatigue policy is much different than my previous airline, um, where with a previous airline, you had to fill out that report to get paid. Where I'm at now, it's a suggestion. They highly encourage it, but it's not required to get your fatigue pay. And you'll see with a lot of different operators that it is based on, you know, if it's not covered through uh, flight operations and it's not an operational fatigue call, let's say you're at home and you just got issues going on, newborns and all that kind of stuff, they'll, they, then if it's not operationally done, it's uh, if they determine it as just a, from a personal thing, they'll take you off, you'll get paid, but it comes out of your sick bank. So those are different things that might discourage people from you know maybe wanting to call in or not, but really the right thing to do is call in, but it definitely, you know, you definitely know that that weighs heavy on pilots' minds. 
And as a professional and in anything, but as pilots, we should really be looking at just the safety side of things. Uh, but we, but we don't. Sometimes we're pressured, and I know what we should do, but. There's the passengers. You want to get the passengers to their point, their destination, and that really weighs in on you. As a matter of fact, I've actually only called in fatigue, true fatigue, twice. And by true fatigue, I mean that there's times when I've said, no, I can't extend uh, my duty time. That's different. But actual fatigue, both times I called in fatigue, I actually was threatened by passengers in the terminal and actually was escorted out at one time uh, with security and, and police. So wow. they, they will actually, you have to be careful when this happens because they're going to look at you. And I never forget these people yelling at me, oh, I hope you have a good rest. And I'm like, man, I'm, I've been up for 24 hours. Do you really want me flying you halfway across the country? I said, I'm, I'm falling asleep. And, you know, obviously I shouldn't even have been engaging, but I was so darn tired at the time. So we and one of the times we actually left the airplane, went across the ramp and went out a different way. We had a supervisor take us across the ramp. It really, because uh, people, all they care about is getting to their destination. Uh, and they're like, and you see it. I'm sure you have, Robert, where people say, you know, what's wrong? Why can't we go? It's like, well, there's a problem with the engine. We got to do this. Well, I want to leave now. It's like, well, wait, time out. You know, the engine doesn't work. You know, we got to make sure the engine works because if we don't, it could be, you know, life threatening. And, uh, and sometimes as pilots, we try not, we try to downplay things like that, especially amongst passengers, because we don't want to scare them. But then it has the opposite effect that people are like, well, you know, they're so safe. Who cares? You know, let's just go. It's like, no, that's not how it works. Same thing with, right. you know, and it, it's tough, man. It really is. And that's where, you know, we want to give you know the listener the tools to, to be able to, you know, first of all, expect it, that this is going to happen, but also plan for it. And uh, I know this is what I do. I like to hear what you do, Robert. But prior to any trip, I look at when I'm flying and I give myself this period of downtime. And boy, I tell you, I know people with children, et cetera, it's tough to do. But I have to relax and get enough sleep so I'm ready for the battle. Because if I'm doing, for instance, tomorrow, I'm doing one leg to New York. That one leg can turn into four legs. I've had it happen. And I could go from a three-hour day to a 16-hour day in a second. And that's happened in the past. So what I do is I prepare myself as if I'm going to work for 16 hours. That way, when I'm done, I'm done. And I'd love to hear what you do, Robert. Yeah, it's um, it, it's challenging because, like you said, a uh, young family at home, you know, uh, I, it, my biggest challenge is if I have an early show, like a 5 a.m. show in domicile, well, that means I'm usually up at 3 a.m. while I have kids and stuff. So it's kind of, for me, it, it goes along to, to pre-planning. If I know I have a real early show coming up later in the week, I might start going to bed a little earlier and earlier a couple nights before and try to get in that rhythm, trying to get my body in that circadian uh, you know, rhythm where it's, I'm, I'm used to, I'm used to get going to bed early and getting up early. But even with kids, it's it's difficult, and uh, uh, so I'll, I'll do that. Um, and just when I know that I'm going to have a long duty day coming up, I try to manage. Okay, where's a good time I can take naps? You know, try to fill in some of those gaps there because napping is actually a huge tool to combat fatigue. So I'll start planning that out. Um, I'll start looking at okay, if I'm if this duty day gets extended into this for any my last my last operational fatigue call by the way was a couple of years ago uh, during Christmas Eve and uh, I experienced the same thing with people you know screaming and being very upset with me. But 
it, it, once my duty day goes beyond a certain limit is due to delay for weather. Well, once I get past that weather delay there, um, and I know, well, now my day is going out further and further. Once I get to the realm where I'm going to be up for 14 hours, I really start examining, okay, how am I functioning? Where's my mind at? Am I able to think clearly? I know I, I've paid attention over the years to my own fatigue symptoms and how my body starts working under high uh, levels of fatigue. So then I'll start uh, assessing myself and then I'll bring my other crew member and me, hey, I'm really struggling here. Hey, I need, to, I need you to tell me if it looks like I'm not doing things well. Uh, so those are just some of the tools I use to try to combat that or, or at least get ahead of it. So I know get someone else in there with me to help and say, hey, man, you're really messing up. Kind of like what happened to you with the with the gate agent, and your <laughs> FO, you know. So uh, those are just some of the some of the little things that I do as well to, to, to help try to combat that. Uh, so, yeah, that's those are just a couple of tricks. You know, one of the things that we do whenever we're studying fatigue, and it's a big help to us, is to actually look at different reports. And uh, Russ actually, uh, you know, Russ does all the production on this. He sent me a really good report about, uh, actually, it's a report where the pilot was considered fatigued and, and also inexperienced in the plane that contributed to a crash up in Cleveland. Uh, I don't know if people remember this, but this was back in 2016. And it was an individual owned a business, and he was flying his aircraft back from a game. And he was, you know, returning home and had been up for about 17 hours. And it was late at night, been up for a long time. And during the takeoff, he actually got some, you know, ground proximity warnings. But but the, the result was he actually crashed and uh, the people died on board. This is a really good one to study. We're not going to go into all the details of it, but just realize that the NTSB realized that this person was fatigued by a lot of his actions uh, during that flight and uh, things that such as uh, not actually pushing his push-to-talk switch, things that we forget to do that contributed, that actually led them to come to the conclusion that fatigue contributed to this aircraft accident. There were some other things, obviously, with inexperience, they said, but throw in some inexperience and also some fatigue, and boy, do we have a recipe for disaster, and that's what happened in this case. I have a link to that article. I don't want to go over it, uh, you know, extensively because, uh, you know, that's kind of not the point of the, the, the show. We really want you to know that this can happen to you. It can happen to anybody, but we also want you to realize it's going to happen in your career, and since this is a career show, what do we do? What do we do to to fight this? Well, one of the things you can do as far as fatigue is concerned is, and this is going to sound strange, but Look to an airline, and I know it's hard to do in the beginning, but try to look for an airline that has a good policy when it comes to calling and fatigue. And it, and then get the stories from people and ask them, hey, what's your airline like? If Have you ever been pushed to fly when, uh, when you shouldn't be flying? A great example is the new FAR-117. I'll, I'll say my least favorite part of that rule is the duty time extension. In the old days, it was just like, okay, you had a certain time you had to take off. If you didn't make it, you can't go. You know, Now they're putting the onus on me, the pilot, and now I have the company pushing me saying, come on, I know you, you, know, you can go, et cetera. They don't all do that, obviously, but it, they're out there, and obviously we're not going to name any names so that we don't get you know, sued, obviously. But also the fact that there are folks that besides just the company, but there's people within the operation that will push you to go. And these people are sitting in an office somewhere, 
and in air conditioning and all they see is numbers and they're like, God, I want to get this flight off. And you're sitting there telling them, listen, I, I can't even see straight. My head's bobbing. You know, it's, I just, I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to extend. And then there's always the big out. And we always like to say this. It's kind of a, a play on words, but you can always use the F word. And it's not what you think. The F word is fatigue. Because once that word comes out of your mouth, then a lot of things start happening. Once you say to them, listen, I can't do this. I am fatigued. Don't, you don't say, hey, I'm tired. I can't do this, whatever. And if they keep pushing you, that's when you do the fatigue call. And, you, and I, I hate doing that. Um, but it does happen. And, and I'm not saying it's it's company specific because every so often you'll get somebody who's in the scheduling department that's new or whatever and is trying to push you to go and you just have to be stand your ground and say no i'm not going to do it and i always liken it to this if an air traffic controller told you to turn into a thunderstorm or turn into a mountain you say unable and this is the same situation i'm unable i'm unable to fly because i am fatigued it's really it's hard though i mean i get it it's part of, it's partially because your pay um, and we're talking about this now why because it's the summer and summertime flying and the the good thing is about this whole situation is 99% of the time the pilots are going to make the right decision, but there is that 1% of the time where you're going to make the wrong decision because you feel pressured, but try to use all those tools like you've seen in your training. They're online. AOPA has them. Uh, there's also NBAA has them. The ALPA has them. I mean, all these different organizations, the alphabet soup of organizations have all these different tools for you so that you can prevent yourself from actually flying fatigue. So uh, so the big thing is this. Realize that any time in your career, whether you're starting out training, whether you become a flight instructor, doing charter, whether you go to the airlines, to the regionals, the majors, you go to cargo, there's going to be a time when you're going to get fatigued. What you do when you do get fatigued is going to be really important because that is actually going to affect the safety of yourself, your passengers, your cargo, and your life. So really one of the things you need to do is, is start thinking about it now in your mind. And that's what we do. Train yourself. Say, what would I do if I was fatigued? And I know uh, the, the coy answer usually is, well, if you're fatigued, you shouldn't be flying. Well, they, there's more to it than that. Just like you know, we talked about, if you call on fatigue, uh, you don't want to be around the passengers when it happens because they're going to be really mad and uh, say, hey, wait a minute, you know, I, I, you know, work late nights too. And it's, gosh, you know, yeah, but you're not flying an aircraft and that could cause a lot of people to get injured. So, uh, so there's those arguments and it's really, I, I get it. It's difficult. So, uh, and Robert, is there anything you want to add to that before we, I do want to take one question from a, a listener before we, we close out this. I know we've spent almost a half an hour on this, but uh, do you have any, anything you want to add to the whole fatigue call? Yeah, one that's very important, and it really does come down to, I think, just the extension of uh, the, the very basic locks of aeronautical decision-making. And it's one of those things like you, that accident you brought up, and I really encourage our listeners to, to go and listen to that or go read the, the report on that. Um, it, was a, it was a complicated issue. It wasn't just fatigue, but fatigue played a big part in it. And that uh, we, can, we can all take a takeaway from that accident. Um, due to the fact that I think that the captain had uh, eight hours of PIC in the aircraft and 50-something hours of, of flight time total in that type of aircraft. So you're talking very low time considering you're flying a turbine-powered aircraft. Um, fatigue isn't going to get you on a normal 
mostly uh, for for an operational uh, day-to-day standpoint, if you're flying fatigue, it's not going to be your usual run-of-the-mill um, uh, uh, routine flight that's going to get you with fatigue. You need to be able to perform at a level, and this is what you need to make. If you're going to make your fatigue decision based off a level of what happens if now I have to divert somewhere because of weather. Now I have all these extra additive conditions. What happens if I lose an engine? What happens if I have a pressurization issue or a passenger gets sick? What happens if I need to rise above the normal level of performance that I'm used to with just a routine flight? That's really where the fatigue is going to get you. And I think that if you look at that accident, that's what we saw, that that aircraft um, had a different, uh, it had a different uh, primary flight displays in it, had different instruments in it that the pilot wasn't attuned to. So he's having all these difficulties in his flight, all these additive conditions that are really increasing his workload, uh, confusion with how his autopilot engages. Um, and and uh, that's all spelled out in the report. But he was awake for 17 hours and he took this flight um, and, uh, and a very challenging flight at that. 17 hours well you're pretty much on the backside of your clock your body clock when you get to that point so um really you that that risk that you're accepting by operating in that envelope of your level of performance um is is extremely high and it's an extreme amount of risk that you're accepting operating a flight like that so as professional aviators as we move forward with our careers i i would say my biggest takeaways and i think what i want to add of, of what we need to look at is uh understanding what your body performs like under fatigue. So as you're learning to fly now, what, what is your body, you know, start paying attention to how your body reacts, how your body reacts under these times where you have, where you're flying outside your body, normal body clock rhythm and, and be able to make those really um, hard decisions going when it's time, when I should be calling in fatigue, everything in me is going to be screaming. No, you can do it. Just push through one more. We've all been there. We've all done it. We've all made that mistake where we're like, man, I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, so just be very cognizant of that. And the last thing I'll say about the fatigue issue is um, one of the things I highly recommend is get a sleep app uh, on your phone or your iPad or what have you, like a sleep time. They're free. They uh, do a pretty good job of um, documenting, at least for the free versions, the past seven days, your sleep pattern couple days before you go to work just start sleeping with it next to your next to your bed so you can see what your sleep's like what your sleep quality is like and that way if you do have to pull that trigger and and, and do the fatigue call um if you have to fill out one of those fleet sleep surveys which is highly recommended um and and in some cases uh necessary depending on what company you're at you have all that information right there and plus if you're sitting there at the gate and you're going man i don't know if i should be taking this flight Flip open your app. I've done it, and I have and I have used it before as a tool. I've done it and been like, yeah, look, I'm I only got six hours of sleep that night. I got five and a half that night. Well, the night after that, I got seven, but my quality of sleep was terrible. And I'm going, you know what? And and I'm looking at this flight, and I've got this much duty day left ahead of me, and I, this I might feel like I can do this, but based off these numbers, the numbers don't lie. Of what my sleep pattern looks like, I probably do need to call on fatigue based off the science behind of it, and that kind of takes the emotion out of it, and that just gets you working off the cold hard facts of of your situation. So that's one of the things I highly recommend. Um, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have on that, Carl. 
Boy, I tell you, that was a awesome idea, the sleep app on the phones. You know, I don't use mine. I'm going to start using it now. Uh, knowing how your body reacts to fatigue, that's also some great advice. And there's so many tools out there. We'll have links, by the way, in the show notes to all the information, like the FR-117, the flight and duty limitations, also a link to the app that he's talking about or one of the apps. Uh, also, the, the report that we talked about in this Cleveland crash, we'll have links to that. But I think it's really important to get to know your body and understand fatigue. And we were going to do some, some answer some questions, but I don't think we're going to do that. This is an incredibly important uh, episode, I feel, to your career because I've, I've seen it. It's happened to me, and I've gotten out of an airplane, and I, I said to myself, just like you said, Robert, this is probably I shouldn't have done that flight or I, I shouldn't have flown that day because I was really tired. The other day, we were supposed to go do a flight, and they canceled it, and I wound up staying 31 hours in uh, Puerto Rico, it was, and of all the places, it was a wonderful place, but one of the takeaways that I found, because I had a long couple of nights before that with all the thunderstorms, etc., I slept 12 hours straight in the hotel. I, I never sleep that long, and I said to myself the next day, I said, you know what? I probably was fatigued, and I didn't know it. Because I, I slept 12 full hours, and it was wonderful. I felt great for the rest of the trip. But maybe I should look back and see if there was any clues that maybe I missed. And things that are clues are things like, hey, did you miss a checklist? Is the captain or the first officer saying things to you twice? I mean, there's lots of different uh, tools that are out there. But you really need to get to know yourself and, and how fatigue affects you. Also, in your career, understand that different places where you work are going to have different ways of reporting fatigue and also on treating fatigue as far as pay and also as far as reporting. And it can actually take the reports we talk about can quote unquote be fatiguing themselves. There's a lot of work in them, but really know that going into it and know that you should be properly rested before you fly. I know tomorrow I have a flight that starts at 6 p.m., and when I go in at 6 p.m., I know that I'll be ready to fly till 6 a.m., even though I'm supposed to finish at, at like 7, 8, 9, 10 p.m. So even with that, I'm going to be ready for a flight till 6 a.m. And in doing that psychologically, that's what helps me. Also, another thing that I do, another tool I use is that if I'm supposed to arrive uh, at the end of my trip or wherever, I give myself an extra four hours. I pretend like it's going to take four hours extra, and I prepare to be rested for that. So as you get older, I think it's a little bit tougher, but in general, you shouldn't uh, fly fatigued. And uh, I know it's important for me to get my rest, and I really, really work on that a lot. But uh, this is really important in your career. It's also important for your safety, too, and your passenger safety, and you're a professional pilot, so that should be the most important thing. Well, gosh, Robert, this has been great. I mean, this has been awesome talking about the fatigue, and I'm, I'm glad we brought up this uh, article from Russ uh, with the, the Cleveland accident, et cetera. But, uh, you know, as far as, you know, looking at your career, I know you've been in the training department and you've done a lot of uh, training. You, you see fatigue everywhere. You see it on the line. You see it in people out at the airport and people operating equipment, even, uh, you know, in the simulators. Uh, and just, you know, last advice to people that uh, are, are actually getting into this career as far as what they can do for fatigue and, and prevent it in their lives. Yeah, um, and, and you definitely do. I think that pretty much what we've said is just be aware. Be aware of yourself. Be aware of your situation. Be aware of how your body's reacting. And uh, know that it sounds easy when we talk about it, but when you're 
actually under fire and in that position where you are you're having to make that call it's hard and even if no one's pressuring you even if your airline's got a great fatigue policy you know just uh mostly who we are as pilots uh want to get the job done when we get our you know our people to where they're going um the the professionalism in this though uh sometimes we have to be professional enough to make the very unpopular and hard decision uh to go ahead and, and like i said tap the brakes and say this isn't safe we're operating with too high a level of of uh, risk here and uh, we need to stop and we need to uh, the airline can can recruit it and that can be their responsibility but your responsibility or whatever operator you're flying for even if you're a flight instructor or, or who you know it, it, no one's immune to this in this industry so i'm speaking more from an airline standpoint because that's my background but this is an industry-wide deal so we really just need to be able to make that professional call and say okay enough we need to we need to stop i need to get rest and then we can just reevaluate everything after that so we we sign um and the airlines under far 117 whether it be electronic depending on your airline or our actual ink, uh, pen and ink mine's pen and ink every time we get a dispatch release the captain signs off on a dispatch release and he signs a a part on there for 117 saying he's fit to fly and then right under that signature is the first officer signature stating on their pen and ink i have fit to fly i'm you know hereby declare myself fit to fly for this flight and it's talking about your your level of fatigue and and where you're at um so we're signing we're signing a lot of uh now with 117 the the you know the liability is on us so um not only is it from a liability standpoint but for a safety standpoint we owe it to our passengers we owe it to our airline that we fly for and we owe it to ourselves to uh uh really keep that level of safety that everyone comes to expect from us even when it might be unpopular sometimes well said and i think that's a great way to end i mean that's uh i you know it's you sign on the line that you're you're fit to fly that could change too if you're a, a six hour eight hour delay uh so you're always reevaluating yourself and uh, i think it's really important to get those tools like we talked about in your training department etc uh well robert it's been great talking to you i mean it's been terrific uh to be able to have you back on the show especially on this whole fatiguing issue Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Especially as busy as our summers have been. <laughs> yes, uh, that's, that's for, for sure. For some reason, I decided a remodel project right in the middle of summer. That was smart, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that leads to fatigue right there. But <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> Uh, well, gosh, you know, it, this has been awesome, Robert. And, I, and hopefully you listening can now go back and have some tools by some of the links we have here and just realize that you are going to be faced with fatigue sometime in your career, in, your, in whatever it is you're doing in aviation. It's going to hit you, and you need to know, make the right decision. And, you know, one thing I'd like to do is challenge you, like I do with every show, is to do something now to move forward in your career. Do something today to enhance your career and your life to move you forward. Now, what is that one thing you can do? One of them is to t start researching the flight duty limitations, the rest requirements, and also think about this. Think about what you're going to do when you become fatigued and how you're going to actually react. But do something today, whether it's picking up a book, listening to a podcast, whatever it is, I want to know and write us and let us know what it is you did today to move forward in your career. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. <laughs>
You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.